welcome into another episode of the Young Turks Podcast. Ahmed Kapir and Mason Viner. Thanksgiving special episode. Terps uh, heading up to Rutgers this weekend for, I guess, their new locked rival opponent, uh, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And uh, Ahmed will start off Maryland basketball. Gets, uh, I guess you could say, back on track. Uh, they they scored uh, more than 40 points. So yeah, uh, back on track against uh, UMBC. Yeah, obviously it was a chance to just kind of regain footing, get get you know the the to just get get back on track, like you said. And obviously Maryland was able to do so last night. Uh, pulled out a 92-68 win, scored 57 first half points, the first, most obviously under Kevin Willard uh, in the first half, and the most since uh, they beat Longwood in 2010. So uh, I think definitely. Uh, when you look at the first four games versus, you know, the offensive output uh, in the, especially in the first half, um, just seeing kind of Maryland be able to to score and find that offense, find some rhythm. Um, I think that was good. And obviously Jameer Young leading the way, 20 points, four steals in 29 minutes. Three of those steals came within, I think, the first four or five minutes there um, as Young was one of four uh, Terps to finish in double figures. Yeah, well, I love to uh, compare Maryland football to Maryland basketball on this podcast. So I'll take another Mike Loxley line and, and uh, apply it to Kevin Willer's squad. Uh, whatever Loxley says, they started fast and they, they didn't really finish that strong, which I know that this is what Lox loves to say, but they definitely started fast. They they came out, uh, looked different, looked a lot more energized in the warmups. The place was absolutely empty in the pouring rain until, I mean, they – it filled in a little bit in the first half, but I mean, they were out there for warmups. The national anthem was playing, and I swear there must have been three or four thousand people in the building. So they brought their own juice to the table. They definitely started fast, shot the ball a little bit better early, but definitely still some concerns with turnovers. The free throw shooting at this point is the number one for me, and and then not great from the three point line. But you find a way to score ninety. It's hard to complain about how many points you score. Yeah, but I think, you know, the three-point shooting, like, I think those are just kind of the small things that you can still kind of take away from this game. You know, granted, you know, I think kind of going into it, you know, obviously UMBC gave Louisville a scare. I think it was the final score was 94-93 in the season opener uh, at Louisville. Uh, but I think you know, a lot of fans kind of expected going into Tuesday night that, you know, Maryland um, was the clearly the better team. So it was kind of, you know, again, just figuring out, doing the right things, and kind of being able to just pull out the win. But I felt like the three-point shooting, that's still something that kind of transfers from game to game, regardless of the strength of your opponent. Um, and I think, obviously, they they, finished, they almost finished 0 of 8 uh, three-point shooting in the second half before Noah Batchelor. Uh, he knocked down a three uh, in the final minute there. A uh, little bit little bit deep of a three, but yeah, granted, the three-point shooting is a little bit of a concern. Obviously, you look at you know a guy like Jamie Kaiser, who... Um, you know, I mentioned this on on the forum and inside the black and gold, but I think the freshmen just kind of them getting comfortable figuring out, you know, how they play, how they fit in uh, both in, in Maryland's offense and playing off each other, uh, you know, playing with Jameer Young. But just like Jamie Kaiser, you know, he, he's, he's a guy that he has that three point touch, but just, you know, working on the shot selection, being taking smart shots within the offense. I think that's kind of that next step. And then, um, you know, you kind of hope that Maryland's able to maybe create a little bit more of that, um, maybe find find the, the better shots for Kaiser to maybe improve the three-point shooting there. But uh, that, and and obviously, like you said, the the giveaway, the the, uh, the lack of points uh, at the free throw line is uh, another uh, head-scratcher there. Yeah, a couple things uh, on the positive side. The floor spacing, much better. I feel like that's what they lacked. I know Kevin Willard's talked about that. That's when things have really started to go poorly for this team offensively. Yeah, you can point to the shooting numbers as that, but the floor spacing – uh, has been poor when they're trying to get to the basket. That was a little bit improved, definitely improved throughout the game as I felt like uh, it, it was 
don't quite want to call it a get right game without seeing what happens on Saturday. But it, it felt like, you know, once they started to get some of the early steals, get some of the good energy going, they started just to play a little bit better as a team and and do things, you know, choose to do things the correct way. Um, Julian Reese, another another bright spot for me and not not the greatest stat line. But one of the things I noticed is, again, the aggression for him finishing towards the basket is something that you when you really go over the games and, and look at where he's not scoring the basketball where he was at the end of last season. It's being aggressive and taking the ball to smaller guys. He, he sort of, I don't want to call it plays down to the competition, but plays down to the size of the competition. It isn't, sure. doesn't necessarily take advantage all the time of how physical he can be inside and, and just how dominant and, and get the other big guy in foul trouble instead of finding himself uh, in that situation. And, and overall, again, positive performance. You're not going to win big 10 games come late season, missing 11 free throws. That's just not going to happen. Uh, and, and yeah, just, minutes, small, small stretches, not even four minute stretches where the shot selection just deteriorates. The lineup combinations don't seem to fit together. So continue to cut down the lineup, you know, figure out where this team's at, but got to get back on defense. Got to, got to, you have to play hard. And there's a team coming in on Saturday that they're not the best, but they're going to look at film and, and figure out those little things that Maryland didn't do right and try and expose them. Now that there's an expectation that they can compete and win the game, given who uh, the Terps have lost to this season. Yeah, I think that's definitely valid. You know, um, you know, two two other things that kind of stuck out to me uh, on Tuesday: Deshaun Harris, I thought just looked a lot more comfortable, um, was able to find that success around the rim, and, and I know he was able to do so a little bit at times um, through the first four games, but it felt like you know he had some, um, you know, just just struggles, you know, going against Davidson UAB uh, at the rim, uh, finishing through contact. So I felt like that was an encouraging sign. And then also Matty Traore, who got a chance to play a little bit that second half uh, as Willard, got a chance to kind of empty the bench a little bit with the game uh, very much in hand the last 10, 10 minutes or so. Uh, John Lamoth was also able to check in and play 13 minutes uh, in the win as well. Um, so I think, you know, again, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of also how the rotation, um, how much, Maybe that trims these ne these next two games as well. Um, but I thought Deshaun Harris Smith thought that was uh, the type of type of performance that they need uh, for him for Maryland to be successful. Yeah, Terps will take on South Alabama at home on Saturday night, and look, not too much tune-up uh, time left for Maryland before they take on UCLA, the midseason Big Ten games. There's there's opportunities for them to right the ship. I think that, you know, there, there's been a lot of takes on how far behind the eight ball they are with the two, probably quad three, at best quad two losses that they took uh, in Asheville. But plenty of time left, a lot of big games for Maryland to play. So if they can get, you know, continue to correct things, get the momentum going in the right direction, I still think this team has a tremendous upside, like was reported, you know, inside the black and gold. Basically, any any Maryland outlet plus the national outlets said, you know, it's a young team. They they have to find their way. But ultimately, those little things, they they do get you in close games. Yeah, I mean, I think again, you know, I think this Maryland team that we're seeing now, I think we're it, we should see drastic improvements between you know now and Jan one, for example. I think the the problem for now is, for Maryland is you know come March, come tournament time, and how that resume is going to look, how they're going to be able to kind of build um, and kind of maybe mask mask some of the non-conference or the lack of non-conference success. Uh, granted, they still have that UCLA matchup, but again, I just think. Like you said, you know, just kind of building that that positive energy and momentum going into uh, that December 1st game at Indiana. Yeah, let's flip it over to football. Terps will take the trip up 95 to New Jersey to take on Rutgers. Uh, both teams come into the game at 6-5. and five. Ahmed, uh, Greg Chiano's got it rolling 
uh, up in Piscataway, his team going to a bowl for the first time since 2014, and a bunch of firsts that can be accomplished uh, for Michael Oxley's squad this weekend. Yeah, big big game this weekend. Obviously, Maryland goes in as a very uh, slight favorite, uh, but a chance for Maryland to pick up their seventh win uh, for the third trade season, which would be the first time since uh, 0-1-0-3. A uh, chance to beat Rutgers for the fourth time in, in five games, uh, and a chance to win the most road games since 2014. Um, and finish with a uh, 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 plus 500 road record this year. Yeah, the, that that is an accomplishment. You know, Loxley talks about it, and it's definitely true how hard it is to win on the road. I think we've seen examples of, of competing on the road this year and not coming through with it, but definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, Rutgers this year, you know, fast start, but similar to Maryland a few years back, they've really – uh, bottom out over the past couple of weeks, and and that was capped with a really not competitive twenty seven to six loss uh, in Happy Valley, where this offense again stalled like they did the week before, where they were blanked by Iowa. Yeah, again, you know, these last three weeks, you know, they played Ohio State the week before that, and you know, the competition very similar to Maryland, where it just has not been very easy uh, for Rutgers. But um, again, you know, congrats to, to Greg Schiano, it's a bowl eligible team for the first time in ten or nine years, nine seasons uh, for Rutgers. So I think that's an accomplishment in itself. But uh, feels very similar, you know, especially you know, kind of on offense, you know, kind of or excuse me, on for Maryland's defense, what they need to do uh, to stop Rutgers is going to be very similar to um, how, how you kind of limit Michigan. Which be on the ground, but uh, definitely a very winnable game this weekend. I think Maryland kind of still does match up well. It's going to be, you know, how how does Maryland kind of respond uh, coming after a tough bounce back, but uh, ultimate uh, letdown uh, game against Michigan? Yeah, and, and addressing that point, I feel like, you know, last week I talked about what, what my message would be is to embrace the opportunity, and I, I would continue that going to this week. Again, last time a lot of these guys are going to get to play college football uh, in conference against an opponent they've seen year over year. Uh, you don't want to go out the wrong way. I would almost point to really some of the fan reaction saying, um, you know, this this game means a lot. It means a lot to end up with a winning record. I think there's a lot to sell when it comes to that. And and you don't want to go out on, on two losses in, in a game you didn't show up in. You know, for a guy like uh, Talia, Jayshon Jones, same, same list of players – yeah. Um, that I went to last week. You don't want to go out with your last regular season college game because these it's no nothing is hidden away from how how bowl season has become uh, a joke for people that really love college football and people that love sports betting. Um, there there really isn't much to those games. These guys know that they know that those games are a reward and, and they're a gift to get to play in. So this is really the last one that that truly means something in that fashion. Rutgers certainly is going to want to get back in that win column. So Maryland doesn't bring it a guy like Kyle Manungai and an offense like Rutgers and a defensive team like what Greg Schiano has is the perfect opponent just to road grade you, eat up the clock, play super hard on defense, force a couple of turnovers, and, and kind of break it open for an offense that's got to be extremely frustrated with the way uh, the last couple of weeks have had. Pretty much similar story to Maryland, as you said, Ahmed. They were leading that Ohio State game into the third quarter, and then the wheels fell off the bus, and they've just never really uh, come, come back set. They were in that game – at Iowa late into the fourth quarter and then the wheels came off the bus again. And last week was just the ugly, ugly performance for Rutgers. Yeah. It just feels like this, this Rutgers offense. I mean, again, you know, feels like 
you know, the, the reason why I feel like, you you know, what, what Maryland needs to do to limit uh, Rutgers is very similar to what Maryland needs to do or needed to do to limit um, Michigan is I think, you know, it's a little bit more evident this week, but um, you got to stop the run and you got to be able to bring down one guy at the first point of uh, contact. Um, and I think when, if you're able to do that, you know, beat, meet Gavin, get Wimsett beat you uh, in the pocket. Um, you know, I think that's kind of the recipe for success for Maryland. And um, like you said, you know, I think that the, the, the Rutgers offense just kind of doesn't have that firepower yet. Uh, but what they do do well is uh, uh, keeping Ga- Gavin Wimsett upright. They actually lead the Big Ten, uh, allowing just 12, tack- or 12 sacks this year. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Maryland's able to, to kind of disrupt um, Rutgers on offense and how they're going to able to make them um, – one-dimensional there, but I think, again, you know, Maryland did a good job of wrapping up Corum uh, last week. I think in the Michigan-Maryland game last year, you saw a lot of, you know, missed tackles or Corum really being able to break out, and um, that was when they were able to, to, to kind of, you know, find that success there. So I thought Maryland did a better job of that last weekend, um, just better tackling, um, and Loxin even noted that. Uh, in the press conference this week. So um, I think if Maryland's able to do that again, uh, be able to put a complete performance, I think uh, Maryland's offense um, should be able to do enough. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Again, you know, it, it boils down to being able to do the same things right, even when the result didn't go your way. I'm sure that's something that Ryan Davidson, Mike Loxley are really focused on getting that message out to their guys. And then the tackling from a guy like Bo Braid, you know, year over year, he talked about it after the game on Saturday, his, you know, ability to kind of focus in and, and do the right things and and play his best game. I'll skim over the comment that was the most famous from him from this weekend. Uh, Ruben Hippolyte, the same thing, you know, goes for him in the game, just being able to keep your head into the game. Obviously, Jay Sean Barham really flashed kind of the, the main point of the season. That was much more like the guy that we expected to see with snap count wise and, and playing like that. And it, just overall strong performance, but it comes down to, you know, Tommy A, Jordan Phillips, uh, Quashawn Fuller, and, and Ty J. Johnson being able to hold their own in this game, being able to have their heads in the game, and, and being able to play to their ability, which is, again, goes down to coaching, goes down to the to the message from that staff. If they can get those guys to play, ultimately you're going to see a team that loves to run the ball. Just for reference, Talia has thrown 166 more passes than Wismith that has uh, this year. So that just shows you how much Rutgers – loves to run the ball on average on, on a great day. If you talk to like Mike Loxley, he's saying on a great day, you know, we get 85 plays in. So 166 yeah. more attempts over a season. It, it just shows you how much this Rutgers team uh, really is limited through the air and, and just loves to run the ball. Yeah. And you kind of expected um, Rutgers. You thought at least when Gavin Williams had joined the program, you thought that, you know, he was kind of the quarterback and, you know, the guy that was going to be able to turn it around and you kind of expected it a little bit more, um, you know, just vert- verticality or balance on that offense. But again, that's why, you know, it feels like if Maryland's kind of able that front. Very similar, you know, maybe maybe in Nebraska, you know, if you're able to, to kind of limit what they can do on the run, limit the chunk plays, um, and just take advantage of the air. Obviously, I think that's where Maryland, um, how, how they're able to pull out that win. Um, so I think, again, if, if Maryland defense is able to kind of play the way that they've been capable of, uh, really through conference play, um, we'll throw the Penn State way but uh, outside that i think uh, this maryland defense has, has kind of been able to uh, live up to the billing and and done, done well making adjustments uh through conference play as well so uh again i think this maryland defense um has a chance to hold Rutgers under 20 points this weekend yeah 100 agree with that if they play again play to your ability i think last week and, and even going back to the ohio state game really penn state being the outlier shows what this team is capable of when they do the right things when they make the plays when they're there to be made um uh, 
for the Terps offense. That's what this weekend is going to be about as well. They play against a, a very, very solid scoring defense uh, with Rutgers and, and total defense yards allowed wise, all of that in the top 10 in the conference. The only thing that the Scarlet Knights have struggled with, and it's something that I've heard Greg Schiano say, is they haven't forced many turnovers this year. They don't necessarily make huge plays in terms of sacking the quarterback, tackles for loss, all that stuff. But overall, Ahmed, a super, super solid group that's much improved, again, year over year, and that has this team, really is the reason why this team will be going to a bowl game. Yeah, you know, Lachty talked about it earlier this week. You know, it feels like, you know, Rutgers does a lot of things or a couple things, you know, really, really well. Um, and they they, they have a uh, a couple pieces there uh, in that front seven. Um, obviously, Deion Jennings, who leads the team with 84 tackles, uh, Wesley Bailey uh, and Lewis there with three sacks each. Um, but like you said, you know, Rutgers doesn't really do a good job of getting to the backfield. So I think, again, you know, when you look at Maryland's offensive line, who, um, has definitely had their moments. Obviously, you know, the the, the strip sack fumble that Talia had last week, you know, you can criticize Talia for having one hand on the ball, but you can also note that he didn't really have much of a chance. So I don't think that Maryland's offensive line is going to go against a, a Rutgers front that really uh, is comparable to Michigan's uh, uh, defense or yeah, compar- comparable to Michigan's defensive line there. So I think Maryland's offensive line has a, has an, a better chance of keeping Talia upright. Um, Talia, I think, has, has kind of shown that he's – um, able to, to kind of find the, the deep plays. Obviously, Caden Brather um, has been on full display, whether it's the Ohio State-Nebraska uh, game uh, last week with that 34-yard catch along the sideline as well. So I think Maryland has has some of those weapons there where uh, Talia, if he just, you know, stays smart, uh, take, takes care of the football uh, like we've seen him do at times. Um, uh, I think I think that's why Maryland um, should, should be able to put up a couple touchdowns on, on Saturday. Yeah, Roman Hemby, if he can average three yards to carry – and then the top three guys in targets are Caden Prather, Jay Sean Jones, and Corey Deitches. I feel like I say the same thing on repeat. You just change the team names around when it comes to Maryland's offense. Uh, the, the Terps ultimately will be able to win this game. I would love if they're going to target Ty Felton a lot. I would love to see him kind of in the short hitch game, the, the crossers under, which are in Maryland's offense. You just don't see those passes much. He, he's just has so much speed, him and Octavian Smith. If you're going to try and find ways to get him the ball, they're, they're not vertical deep threats unless they're over the middle where they can beat guys in the foot race. Um, I would love to see, you know, Octavian get a little bit more involved. Ty Felton get some more touches where he can make something happen or just straight on, you know, nine routes, go routes for him. Um, I, I would not let that play with Samer still, still in uh, Ty Felton on the sideline that was intercepted deter Mike Loxley, Josh Gaddis and Kevin, someone from throwing passes like that. Uh, obviously you want that to be your guy gets it or nobody gets it. And, and, I'm still salty about it. You can't put two hands on the on the receiver while the ball is in the air, then jump up and intercept it while he's on the sideline looking back at the ref. Uh, you, you really can't let those things happen. But ultimately, I'd love to see Dyche just really have a big game, get in the end zone a couple times. And, and of course, Jay Sean and, and Prather really get the targets that they deserve. If there's going to be a guy with double-digit targets, I would love that for that to be Jay Sean Jones. Yeah. Um, and, and just go out with a bang, you know, just the way he started it in College Park. Yeah, I think right. You, you hit the nail right on the head there. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be weird. I mean, I was talking with a couple other you know beat reporters. It's going to be weird thinking about a Talia team without or Maryland team without Talia. But I think it's also going to be maybe uh, equally as weird to to not think of uh, Jashawn Jones uh, playing at Maryland. So I think chance for him in, in his last game, likely last game, uh, in a Maryland uniform for him to really blow up and, and kind of make those big plays that we've become uh, accustomed to over the last couple of years, uh, whether it's across the middle or downfield. So I think. You know, again, it just feels like this this Rutgers secondary. If you really match them up against Maryland skill players, Maryland it can can outmatch them. Um, and again, if, if Talia is able to 
take care of the football um, and then the protection kind of holds up like we've seen it. Like, you know, frankly, you know, this offensive line, I think that going into it, you know, even though, you know, uh, Kyle Long and Mealy Moran, you know, they've kind of rotated in uh, Eric Harris, Mike Purcell, they've kind of alternated between, uh, you know, starting center there. But as a whole, as a unit, feels like uh, they should be able to win a lot of these battles against that Rutgers front seven. So, again, Leah's able to take care of the football. Um, I, 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 I like Maryland to, to be able to some big plays, uh, whether it is on the ground, generate something. Uh, Colby McDonald looking efficient as well uh, the last couple of weeks in his very limited opportunities. But uh, I think that the passing attack should should be able to carry them uh, once again to what I expect to be a win. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, let's get down to it. Last week I was two for two. Last week Ahmed took the under. I don't know why, but uh, this one uh, also an interesting one. Terps a one-point favorite, Ahmed mentioned earlier, over under at 44. Yeah, I will say the only reason I went under last week is because Michigan was allowing seven and a half yard points per game. So I felt felt that there was a chance that we could uh, we, we could see a, a low-scoring game. But that's not what I'm expecting this weekend. Um, like we said, you know, Maryland minus one, over under at 44. Um, I think Maryland should obviously cover that, and I expect that over to hit. Um, I think Maryland has a chance – Two score, you know, uh, 27 plus, 30 plus uh, against his Rutgers defense. Um, again, it, it, you just, the only thing that kind of concerns me is um, what Maryland team does come out. Um, there's a big difference between seven and five and six and six. Um, but you just kind of wonder, you know, obviously, I think going into this season, um, you know, everyone, uh, whether in College Park or who watched the program, covered, watched the team, um, you know, everyone said that this was. The year that you know Maryland needed to to win one of these big ones, and uh, obviously last week was that third and final chance for Maryland to take down one of the Big Ten elites. So you just kind of hope that there is no hangover effect, and again, um, that 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 gap between seven and five and six and six is noticeable, um, both in terms of recruiting uh, and in terms of bowl outlook. So um, you you just you you kind of hope that Maryland is dialed in, uh, but if they are, then I do expect them uh, to come out with the win because I again think they're the better team. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And, and like I said, you know, that line's another one that I would be saying, you know, there there is a difference in that. Everybody in that room should know that there is a difference between being a 500 team and being an above 500 team. And, and really, when you look in the mirror as a team or, or as an individual that's been part of this and you know those missed opportunities, you don't want it to be chalked up to all missed opportunities and it ended with a loss on the road in, in an environment that I can't imagine is going to be very energetic. You know, this is this is where that internal energy really, really makes a difference. If you can bring it, you know, that that's sort of where it's not a big environment. It's not going to be that many people there. It's about, you know, kind of what, what creates the fire in that locker room. What, what creates, you know, the will to play the will to win uh, in that room really showing through this week. I think Maryland's got that. I think you'll see just that, that not wanting to be a six and 16, not wanting to take a step backwards. You know, there is already, it's been acknowledged. It was acknowledged in, you know, Bo Braid and Ruben Hippolyte's podcast. You know, it was it was out there just talking about the opportunity and all that stuff. It's been out there from Loxley. Definitely in every one of the postgame player interviews last week. Just like, you know, that that feeling of missed opportunity. Almost that feeling like the season ended, but it didn't. There's an opponent this week. There's a chance to kind of bring it one last time with your guys and, and, and come out with not taking a step backwards. Because I certainly think that. Uh, the guys that have the bigger view, the guys that are on the field a lot of times and have been for the last four years, will see they don't want to go out looking worse than they did last year. They still believe that they are a better team th- than what was out there last year. And 
And if that really shows and means, then then they'll bring it this week because they don't want a worse record than than what was on display last year. Yeah, uh, and and I actually um, was worth bringing up because it was a really good episode. And for any any Maryland fans that are listening, you definitely go check out the Bo Braid, Reverend Hippolyte, Dante Trader. Um, they kind of talked about just really what 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 the the mindset was from you know Ohio State week on, and um, you know you again you hit the nail right on the head there. You just you kind of just hope that Maryland's able to take care of business. But I think again, you know Loxley and, and the players, you know they they've all kind of said that really the same thing that this player led culture that the the culture that the leadership like that stuff is real and you know if you i mean really since the 2021 season like i've been saying this stuff like the first two years were not good and the last three years you know a lot a lot better so i think that's kind of where you need to that 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 culture that you built that's kind of where you needed to shine most uh this week because again you know for some guys, um, it could potentially you look at it and it's like, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're potentially playing for, uh, you know, a random bowl game. You know, what what more do I have other than, you know, get my get my touches or, you know, get my stats or whatnot. So, again, I think that's that's kind of where that culture and the, the, the player driven mindset. I think that's that's where Maryland will need it to loom large. And um, again, you know, Maryland. That, that's kind of been the Achilles heel the last four or five weeks. So I think Maryland's able to, to rise to the occasion. Um, they easily cover let's put it that way yeah i would agree and and one more comment on like the, the culture and all that is you know a lot of people will say like all those cliches like team culture shows when nobody's watching and they're in the weight room in the middle of the summer and it's hot out and you know you're, you're really trying to push yourself to even be there to get up to go to the workout all that stuff for this team where this program is we're not at really that point yet like yes that matters i'm not discounting i'm not discounting that that time in in the need for that to be a competitive team right now as as somebody that that's watched the team i'm looking for them to really show up after a tough loss like that last week and, and you know play to their ability show show everybody what they can do cuz this this game really talent wise and you know i feel like we both said this talent wise Maryland's ahead of Rutgers as a program. Maryland should win this game, just guy for guy, skill player for skill player. Up front offensive line against their defensive line. I don't really know the true evaluation of Maryland's offensive line is not very good for this season. It's gotten better as time's gone on, but that might be the only spot, in my opinion, where where their guys might be better than ours come Saturday. But you would love to see them just really come out and show everybody, you know, what they've been saying is true, and it didn't happen in Illinois against Illinois. It didn't happen against Northwestern. But look, there's an opportunity on Saturday for it to happen again. Big loss last week. Didn't really show up. Didn't really get it together. But like Nebraska, I said that was a big culture win. Same thing goes for this week. Same thing goes for that. Um, I've got the Terps. If I had to throw a score on it, I think Maryland is able to move the ball against this Rutgers defense. Uh, I got it like Terps 31-14, 31-17, somewhere around yeah. there. I was right in my head thinking 30-13, so I, I like that. Uh, yeah, again, yeah, I think I think this should be good. But um, again, you know, like we, we touched on, win would also alter our bowl projections. So I think that's uh, especially this time of year. You know, after a Nebraska win, I think that's something Maryland fans are kind of taking a little closer look at. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where they where they land. Yeah, on that, I'm hearing you know really three at this point uh, for Maryland. I've I've heard Detroit as a as a far distant third at this point. Definitely not a spot where Maryland's pushing for. I don't think any Big Ten teams really pushing for Detroit. I don't no. think that bowl game is 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 a it's the last place bowl. I'll put it that way. 
Um, middle of the pack where I where I've heard Maryland is um also in Phoenix and Las Vegas. I've not heard much talk from from sources um about Nashville, about Tampa. I know that those have been reported elsewhere, but that is those were the three that I heard in the building on Saturday. Um those, those that was what was out there in, in Vegas, definitely in my opinion, the best bowl out of the three, the best destination out of the three, and the place that uh, I would love to be on December twenty third. Yeah, I, I I'll take I'll take Vegas. I'll take Phoenix. Like anywhere warm. Like I don't care who Maryland plays. I, I'll just say that anywhere warm. Send me somewhere warm. So I will say I've I've heard Vegas uh, and Phoenix is probably the primary two. Um, felt like Nashville going into the Penn State week was maybe uh, maybe like a pipe dream or maybe you know outside shot, but it felt like maybe after that that's kind of when it officially became unrealistic. Um, I will say, I believe it's um, uh, Action Network. They have Maryland playing uh, like South Al. Uh, they have some South Alabama, the Birmingham Bowl. Yeah, yeah the Birmingham Bowl, and it doesn't. So the Birmingham Bowl is not tied to the Big Ten at all, um, and it does seem like it would kind of have to take a lot in for that to even like be a possibility. Um, it does seem like Rutgers to Pinstripe, Northwestern to Detroit. That seems like most likely, but. We'll see Nebraska this weekend. That's going to be a big one. Um, and really just the, the the West last week, you know, a lot of this, I think it was what, four teams that were at five wins. So um, it'll be kind of interesting. Definitely. Um, I hate to even bring it up, but if Maryland does lose this weekend, it, it gets dicey. So uh, a win, win would be good, but Vegas is, seems like seems to be the, the preference or the priority over uh, Phoenix just seems to be like a little uh, higher stature. Um, and hey, uh, I've never been to Vegas before, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll definitely take that trip. Yeah, neither have I, and I 100% will be there if that's where it happens. But plenty of uh, chance to talk about bowl destinations as more information comes out. Obviously, like Ahmed just said, Maryland they lose this week. They're they're <laughs> bottom tier priority. They might end up being the last place Big Ten bowl team in terms of preference, uh, just given that they've been to two of the better or two of their preferred destinations in their last two bowl trips being pinstripe and, and the Mayo bowl last year. Um, so we'll see where things shake up, but the Terps uh, really need to take care of business this week. And then, then we'll have some more options, get, get higher on that priority list for the conference. Yeah, I think that's valid. I think the only thing that I was thinking, and it hasn't really been told to me, but I was just thinking, you know, from a, you know, from a marital marketing perspective, you know, Talia's last collegiate game, you know, having mm-hmm. that draw, um, uh, I, I could, potentially maybe see that um and maryland did decent at, at traveling last year so that that stuff matters too so um we'll see but you know uh, again win and and hopefully it'll be uh between uh vegas and, and phoenix there and get to enjoy some sunshine yeah we sure will i'm at anything else to add on the pod for this week Let's bring on the ams man yeah happy thanksgiving to everybody that listens we're thankful for you guys liking, subscribing, listening to the show here as we've gotten enrolling uh, this football season. Hopefully the Terps pull out a Thanksgiving weekend win. Uh, I will be out at the game on Saturday, so make sure to check out all the content from that. Of course, all your Terps coverage on InsideTheBlackAndGold.net. And as it gets to portal season, it's coming up. Ahmed will have all the scoop up there. And I believe 2024 uh, projected depth chart, first uh, draft coming out this weekend. Did I see that? Yeah, I was uh, looking a couple weeks ago, and you know, I was like, "Man, we gotta, you know, figure out who can come back." And then I was like, "Ah, oh, I gotta figure out COVID," and so, you know, all, all that stuff. So, um, so we'll see. I, I should have that out someday. 
finalizing it now. So we shall see. It's going to be a fun next couple months. All right, everybody, stay safe out there this weekend. Have a great Thanksgiving. As always, like, subscribe to the show wherever you get it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you after Maryland uh, hopefully takes down Russia. <laughs>